Podcast, a podcast about culture and cultural nomads designed for blacks and Asians and those who love them. On the show today, I have Mr. Nelson Olani Pekun. He's the project lead of Gavel. He's also a lawyer, a tech enthusiast, and an open justice advocate. He graduated from Ekiti State University, Ado Ekiti, in 2013, where he bagged his LLB honorary degree in law. After that, he proceeded to the Nigerian Law School. While he was in law school, he created an online platform that helps legal practitioners law students and legal minds interact with you to create synergy and bridge the gap that comes with jurisdictional issues but this failed and we're going to explore more of that learning from this experience in 2017 he created gavel and gavel is a civic tech organization that connects victims of human rights abuse police brutality social injustice with lawyers at no cost to you barely a year afterwards the startup has been able to impact lots of life it has reached over 1 million people since operations began and close to 100 Nigerians have directly benefited from its free legal support. And this is more, by the way, your host, Nigerian-born, U.S.-educated, Korean-speaking, struggling intellectual. So, yeah. So, everyone, join me welcoming Mr. Nelson to the podcast. Hello, Mr. Nelson. Hello, Mo. How are you doing? Very well. Thank you so much. Um, I'm, I feel very honored to have you on the show today. And I cannot wait to explore your story. And given the light of what's really happening in our country, Nigeria, I think it's also a timely opportunity to have you on the show. So, sir, can you tell us a little Thank bit you. more? Uh, you're really? welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit more about you? Yes, Nelson Olani Pekun is just a young man trying to do something different to impact the world and trying to put smile on people's face using technology and using the legal skills he has. So, basically... It's just like an, uh, Nelson is just like every other person in the streets out there. All right. Well, well, I'm glad to have you on the show, not on that street out there. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. I liked I liked how you described yourself. So uh, I met you on Twitter. Well, I really didn't meet you first. I saw a story that was shared on Twitter, and that was um, Yabo's story. And I'll provide a link to those that are curious about that. So basically, the gist of that story was. A young girl in Ibadan that she defended her would be assaulters with um, a, a bottle because they were about raping her. And sadly, well, the guy she stabbed ended up in the hospital. She actually took the boy to the hospital and they turned her around and arrested her and put her in prison for a while. But through the Gavo program, which, you know, Mr. Nelson is one of those spearheading and they were able to give her like good legal backing and I think she's out of prison now. And that story really yeah. compelled me. So I clicked on that link and I saw that it was through the gavel. So I emailed when gavel was nice enough to respond quickly and the rest of the says history. Tell us a little bit more about gavel. Okay. Um, we started um, 2017. Although before that, I'd worked in some NGOs. And um, where we started gavel, we started with open judiciary. Yeah. When, when I was conceptualizing gavel, I started with open judiciary. I wanted to just bring about transparency and accountability in the justice sector. So that's what you mean by after open judiciary, right? Like making it system yeah, transparent. Okay, good. Yeah. So after a while, we noticed that people need to kind of uh, ask 
first lawyers, they're having challenges in assessing lawyers. A lot of people that are indigent or people that do not even know where to get these lawyers. So we had to start the uh, rebranding and we kind of focused more on the access to justice uh, angle, which is now connecting indigent persons with free legal aid lawyers using technology. Uh, we also provide legal support for awaited trial inmates, um, domestic violence in the house, and a whole lot of people. So our target audience are majorly youth. Okay. You know why them? Yeah, because they oftentimes these are the portions of the of the larger society that mm. are often neglected. Yeah. Now, why I say they are often neglected is that a traditional NGO would um, naturally set up an office and probably um, the older ones know about them. For example, while I was working in JDPC, most of our clientele were older ones. Mm. However, very young people do not go through this traditional means okay. to assess justice. They are on social media, they are on Facebook, they are on Twitter. So for us to target and, and, and get them on board and meet their needs, we had to go to this platform, especially Twitter, to, to, to reach out to them and provide support to them. Yeah. So that was why we, 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 we used a lot of tech to drive the initiative. Oh, I see. I see. And, so, and and just want to be clear about the tech part of it. So basically, you're just leveraging the power of social media and making it a bit more cohesive for people to be able to reach you. Yes, and also develop other tech tools. Like we have Justice Clock. I was, I was about to say that. Yeah. Our... So you talked about Justice Clock, which is yes. available on your website, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I like that idea of the Justice yeah, so, Clock. Because so like justice... by Peru said, you can see the current cases. You can follow the timeline. You can see when the case was over. Yeah. You can follow like what is happening currently. I yeah. like that. But you can maybe tell us more about it, since you know what I know is just based okay. on what I see on on the interface on your website. Okay. So basically, the idea of Justice Clock is to, you know, you cannot change what you cannot measure. That's true. I like so, that. I, I like that. So, so we had to measure the time people are waiting trials. Close to seventy percent of our prison population are waiting trials. That's not good. That, that was terrible. So, at, as at March 2018, 68% yeah. to be exact, uh, within trial. So the number as went down March. by 2%? No, no, no. The, previously, we've had between 70% and 65%. But as at March 2018, to be specific, 68% we are waiting trial. Oh, wow. Now that that is just two just just two percent to seventy percent, yeah. And um, we've been fluctuating between that digit for over five years. So now the administration of criminal justice was enacted twenty in twenty fifteen, and it provided that a within trial person should not spend more than twenty eight days behind bars mm. awaiting trial. However, since the inception of that, um, since the enactment of that law, yeah. there hasn't been changed yeah. since that 2015. So we had to create that tool to measure the time people spend behind bars awaiting trial. So once they spend beyond periods stipulated in the law, which is 28 days, yeah. we 
engage with the with, with the relevant authorities on uh, the means to charge them to court and release them. So justice court help, helps us track the time from the period they've been arrested and put behind bars and to the period they they charged to court. And if they are not charged to court, we engage. We have a specific engagement uh, procedures within relevant agencies to ensure that they are uh, um, charged to court or released. So it's not just measuring time. We also find a way to enforce the implementation of the Administration of Criminal Justice Act, which is 28 days, which provides for a 28 days remand period. So just to be sure I got you right, and the Constitution, okay. you cannot hold somebody for more than 28 days. You either have to charge them to court or release them. But we found that in our criminal yeah. system, a lot of people are waiting trial. And as of today, we have about 68% of our prison population still are waiting trial. Yes. Do you have an idea of um, the mean time, like the average time a person in prison right now, how long they've been waiting for either, you know, um, being charged to court or being released on street? An average time between the person from the time of detention, Arrest, yeah, remand, yeah. yeah, to being charged to court, an average time is between two to three years. However, we find people that still, that were that have been put in remand and and they've been in detention since 2010. Just detention for so, almost eight years to to find yes. out the. Wow. Yes, they've been they've been behind bars since 2010 without being charged to court. That's abysmal. Yeah, that's terrible. So, and oftentimes we have a huge percentage also between five and that seven and, and, and seven years. So we have a good percentage also that. Not the, not the highest percentage, but a very good percentage. But the highest percentage of people that we find that are awaiting trial are oftentimes between one to three found guilty of that crime. And probably the crime is stating that the, the guilty party should spend one year or or probably six months in prison. And he had actually spent like one year awaiting trial. That means the person has spent more than one year awaiting trial. So he has spent more than the time that he should ordinarily spend, even if he's found guilty. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, so, that's, that's not proper. That's, you know, it's not, that's not justice. It's not justice. And one day in Nigerian prison, as I've heard, is enough to just, you know, make you straight. So imagine if you're waiting eight years just to find out what the verdict is going to be. Yes. Wow. While I was doing a background check on your, not background check, but just learning more about your organization, I was thinking maybe it was just for Lagos, for example, because usually most of these tech and um, upcoming startups, they begin in Lagos and they, they, they spread everywhere else. But I see that even you guys go as far as other states. So I'm wondering, what's your current workforce? Like, how many are working for you? And are you guys everywhere in Nigeria? Like, if anybody wants to reach you from outside Lagos, how can they go about doing that? Like, how widespread is the gavel? Basically, is my question. Yeah, gavel is, like, in over 15 states in Nigeria. We can represent people in over 15 states in Nigeria. So once they reach us through our online platforms, we connect them with the nearest lawyer in that location. Okay. So let's say you are in Akwaibom. During the police brutality issue, we had a case of a, of a victim that was in Akwaibom yeah. state, and we had to connect him with a lawyer in that state. In fact, it was not in Uyo, which is the capital of Akwaibom state. Yeah. Where he was was one hour away from Uyo. So we had to connect him to the nearest lawyer, and we connected him with a lawyer in, in that police station, and with a, a lawyer close to that police station, and he was able to get to the police station soon enough to get him out. 
So, so we we have a couple of lawyers scattered around. We leverage on. Um, we have over ninety volunteer lawyers working with us. Okay. But in, internally, we we work. Uh, our, our workforce is um, is small. We we uh, we are just three. So just three, but yeah, but you have a lot of volunteer lawyers working with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So okay. that is where we we kind of connect. We 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 didn't we do the administrative kind of thing. Yeah. So and uh, we connect them with those um those Very lawyers good. outside. Very good. So I see now that out of fifteen out of thirty six, that isn't bad for something that started just you know in twenty seventeen. So forty two percent of the states are covered. What would you say yes. is is one of the biggest challenges you have as far as expanding your territory to the remaining 21 states in Nigeria? Yeah, um, at present we notice that people in not in the north are not really uh, welcoming to the to the online kind of um, of push that we're mm. doing. So majority of the people that are using our, our our tools are from the southern states and the middle middle belts. So so we've not been able to reach out to those people. Another challenge we're facing is that not everybody is online. So we have to com- we have to complement with the traditional um, traditional uh, means of going to prisons, getting details of some of these awaiting trial people, and now leveraging on our spread to provide them with access to lawyers. That is also, that is one way to, to, to go about the challenge we face. Another challenge is also that of finance. You know, I was about as a young, to, yeah. How you guys found it? Young, yeah. When, when we started Gavel, we were incubated by Civic Hive. Okay. And Civic Hive was an, uh, the incubation arm of budget. So. Budget Nigeria works in the transparency sector, so and uh, they were providing us with um, with um, a kind of stipend yeah. for running. So um, after nine months, the fellowship ended and the incubation program ended. Yeah. So we had to leverage on personal finances and other logistics support that would still be coming from budget. Okay. Mostly not finances anymore. And um, all those other, uh, um, sometimes um, people who are on Twitter might donate, but oftentimes we'll be leveraging on personal funds okay. to, uh, to put out there. Mm. Um, I was about to say that you guys remind me of budget because I just recently learned about them. And I know they help in educating people like me about you know government funds how they're being spent and then when you guys talked about you know transparency especially when you talked about open judiciary using tech i was about saying that mm. reminds me of budget but for the legal standpoint anyways um mm. very good and i was thinking maybe for those northern states if you guys could leverage practitioners that spoke their languages that look like them probably that can yeah. also give you guys more leverage to be able to connect better with them because i can imagine yeah. how language barriers can also play a huge role Especially in reaching out yeah. to those northerners. Yes, yes. Uh, also, what we're thinking is if we maybe later when we are able to get more funds, we can do a kind of uh, lawyer drive, a kind of volunteer lawyer ah, drive nice. around around the southern states and educate people more yeah. about that, and also leverage on probably phone calls, text messages, yeah. so that even if you are not able to use the internet, you can just pull a call through. And we are able to provide support or, um, you can ask your son or your daughter to put a call through 
and we are still able to connect you with the lawyer that is nearest to you. So the basic thing is go to the Northern State, get as much volunteer lawyers you can get on board, then you give around uh, maybe phone numbers or, uh, yeah, basically phone numbers to people that you feel they can um, help. So maybe the prison officials, they can have the phone numbers, then um, some strategic places, the courtrooms, they can have the phone numbers, and some other people too can have the phone numbers. So whenever there is a victim of the system, you know, awaiting trial, police brutality, or stuff like that, they can connect us using phone numbers, or if they can have access to internet, they can also use internet. That's so. very good. Um, along that line, I think another um, suggestion I, that can help you, just thinking, would be what you guys actually did with someone like Yabo. So have the people that you've helped come out and you know just do videos of how you guys represented them and how your intervention helped save their lives. And they can have it done in their own languages as well. So you're not just reaching people that speak English, but people that speak language uh-huh. like them. Because you guys are ha- you're helping common people. I mean, there's already a selection bias, which is kind of good, because you're helping those that wouldn't be able to afford legal services, which is like a huge chunk of the population. So maybe you can leverage those people. Since yeah. you're doing the, these offers for them for free, if they can come back after the fact and help you guys do like a video of, you know, like a testimony video in a way, how you guys help yeah. them. And so they can also reach to people like them. And along that line, all you just need is just one good nothing that you guys helped. And before you know it, it's going to snowball into something bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. good. I do have some other questions for you. So we know in Nigeria that making laws is not something that we have a problem with. The problem has always been implementing those laws, you know. And yes. I wanted to bring to light the fact that on the 4th of June specifically, you guys at Gavo, you wrote a letter to the mm. Supreme Court of Nigeria, and you titled that letter The Rule of Magistrates in Curbing Police Brutality Under the Administration yeah. of Criminal Justice Act. I think the surprising thing for me was that they actually responded to you. And they listened to you and they actually bought what you guys told them. And to me, it kind of blew my mind because I haven't been home in seven years. And the first time I went back home in May, one of the questions that was posed to me by one of my listeners was, hey, did you get accosted by the police? Did you get uh, anyone from SARS stopping you and harassing you? And I'm like, SARS? Like, why would they do that? Apparently, there's been a lot of um, police brutality going on. And... Yeah. A, a law hasn't been done about it. So when I heard about your initiative, when you told me about this, this letter, to me it became it became more like, wow, this is really good, and I really want more people to know about it. What inspired you to write that letter? What the response means to us now as Nigerians, and how that can even impact the citizens of Nigeria amidst the end SARS movement? Okay. So like you rightly noted, there are so many laws in Nigeria, so many good laws in Nigeria. However, implementation has been the problem. But when, when we were uh, researching and looking for a, ways to kind of end the police brutality issue, uh, I've always had in mind also that the sec- that section of the law, section 34 yeah. of uh, ACTA, that's Admission of Criminal Justice Act, provides for police uh, for magistrates visit police stations in their jurisdiction at least once in a month. So. I kind of felt that if the magistrates visit, pay unscheduled visits to police stations, it's kind of, they kind of provide oversight functions by those police stations. Yeah. Then the police officers would be kind of scared and they, they don't know when the magistrate is going to come. They don't know what section he would, is going to um, give to them if they are not doing the proper thing. So it's just like, um, this inspectorate thing that we used to have in those days. So, you know, the magistrate acts like a, a sort of inspectorate for the police now. So once even 
what we are looking at is that with this with this practice direction, when we get a wind of maybe police went to a certain area and indiscriminately raids people, because that is their normal mode of mode of operation. Yeah. You just go to a certain area and indiscriminately raid people, like 30, 50 people, wow. get them into their police station, and after the while they start saying, uh, okay, you pay 5,000, you pay 10,000, and stuff like that. So when we get that wind, we can immediately notify the police, um, the chief magistrates in that jurisdiction and inform him that these people have just been raided and can he visit and um, this this police station so that these people would not just be uh, indiscriminately brutalized and extorted. So that is one of the ways that we're looking at um, 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 using this uh, this present um, uh, um, CJN's directive. And also is that if, you know, the police do not know when the magistrate is going to come and the magistrate just pounces of them, they, they are kind of more wearied in terms of uh, just in, uh, picking people indiscriminately. So they, they, they feel they are being supervised now and not just by their own boss, which oftentimes is now part of the system, is from an outsider who yeah. can think more clearly and and and. Oftentimes, the magistrates are more humane, and of course, they know the law than these police officers. So they they, they would naturally apply the law. So that's good. I like that, and I hope that with this implementation, it can also help reduce that sixty-eight percent you talked about of people that are still awaiting trials. But then, um, yeah. um, I think a follow-up question to that would be: You guys use a justice clock for those that you're helping with. But now they are even engaging the magistrates as a whole. How do we ensure compliance of the courts? Is there a tracking yeah, system well, in place? Yeah, so, so, since we got the success story now, we what we're thinking is to turn those lawyers that we have spread across to a kind of also monitoring the magistrates. Yeah. yeah. So since we have lawyers over 90 spread across 15 states, now those people will kind of visit those police stations and like um, get information whether the magistrates are come this um, has been around this month, you know, and if they've not been around this month, a kind of right to the chief judge of that state to notify the magistrate on 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 the need to to visit those uh, stations. So you kind of have a checklist for magistrates if they are not going there, you know, there's people that are watching house if they are not going there. So it, 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 it acts as the monitoring system. I see. So yeah, to to ensure compliance. I, I think I think another suggestion that just came to mind, kind of like you have your justice club. If you could have all the magistrates in Nigeria, like a database, like every time they go to those police stations, they need to log in and see they've done it. So I don't know if there's a way you can. You guys can also do that in a way. So that yeah, way you yeah. Can also see yeah, that, that that would be great. However, you know, this is a government thing, oh, and an average magistrate will not want. You know, we, we're working from this um, NGO perspective, so he coming in my my not like I'm a government official. I'm not answerable to you. You know, kind of. Uh, okay. right. What we can also do is that um, whenever the magistrate is going, there is a ch kind of checklist that he must kind of um, fill. Before he, um, when, when he's going, he must like, okay, tick a card or something, probably in the CJ's office or stuff. And if the card can be an online card, yeah. 
yeah. or a kind of an online checklist that it would kind of take. So, but you need to bring the chief magistrate, get the chief magistrate to buy into the uh, initiative. So while you provide the tech support, you provide all the tech programs, the chief, the chief judge of that state must kind of endorse that um, kind of um, initiative. So to, uh, yeah, so you give him the force, you will give the initiative the force that is required for the chief magistrate in those uh, jurisdictions to comply. Why we provide all the uh, tech support and everything. So it, it will be a win-win thing for, for everybody. Perfect. A final thing there will be, as a Nigerian, or for other Nigerians listening, how do we do our part to help with this initiative? And how can we help Gavel as a whole as well? Yeah, the first thing is that Nigerians should be active citizens. You know, most Nigerians are dormant citizens. What does active they mean? To, yeah, they need to take part in governance. Yeah. Like what we just, like what we just said now that the magistrate needs to go there. Okay. If you are living close to the police station, you can find a way of, of course, an officer that you can just innocently ask an officer, ah, and this social magistrate hasn't been around this month. You know, just find in a joking manner, ask the police officer that you've been a friend with, and you get that information from them. Mm-hmm. So uh, with, with that, you can pass that information along to the relevant authority to hold the, to hold the magistrate accountable, which if you pass it to us, we just write to the chief judge, and with that, we are holding the magistrate accountable. So that is active. accountability. Be active. Yeah, mm. yeah, you you be active. Then another way is that in the area of police brutality, whenever you see a victim that is being brutalized, you be your brother's keeper. Mm. Keep yourself safe. Ensure be ensure be sure that you are safe. Then also try to maybe video the events. Try to get names, maybe look at their vans, yeah, or their, or the the police truck that is uh, that yeah. brought them to that location. Try to get few information that can be used in tracking these officers at at, at, at the later event. So with with that, you 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 it, the person that is being brutalized cannot get those information because it's a subject of police brutality. However, you that you are far off that you are not being brutalized. You are helping gathering all the necessary info to help him get remedy for the the brutality or the extortion. So be your brother's keeper in, in, in situations like that. So and also one other way that you can uh, help is that if you are a lawyer, you can volunteer with us. Mm. You can volunteer with us. You can volunteer with us. Yes. You can accept donations. You know, all these things that we are talking about cannot be done without, without finances. A lot of personal finances are gone into this. A lot of people, online donations, a couple of people are donated online too. And, um, Budget 2 has been a huge supporter of this initiative. So we need funds to be able to reach more people and continue to provide support for people, for people too. So, that's it. I like that. So be active citizens. And along that line, that one, I, I remember something Dr. Joe Abba always says. It's actually pinned on his Twitter um, handle. Is You can be disinterested in politics like me, but you cannot afford to be disinterested in governance. I think it's our yeah. civic duty to make sure that we know how our system works. And that's why I brought you know, Mr. Mazza on the podcast a while ago. 
and you even mm. enforcing this I, I like the constants of the message like we need to play our role and if you can regard the next person beside us as our brothers or our sisters we can't let a lot of things go unpunished i think the problem as an nigerian that i have noticed and i'm not even excluding myself from this narrative is as long as it's not my family member what's my own business you know but we can't afford yeah. to keep living that way and injustice done to somebody that you don't know could very much be an injustice that could be served to you so let's you know, yeah. try to help one another and then also um keep yourself safe but when you see someone being victimized speak up as well, make sure you're ensuring your own safety even if you're just taking the pictures of the event or um taking things that can be identifiable but along that line where can these videos or evidence be submitted to can they forward them to you guys uh, yes, they, they, they can forward them to, to us. However, I will always say that forward it to the police complaint response unit first. Okay. Then you can send a copy to us for us to help monitor or also provide some other support if they are not responding quickly. So you, you can forward also to, to us to help us uh, kind of push, you know, like um, 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 kind of uh, uh, ensure that they do the needful timely. Alright. I think for me, I have never had to use a Nigerian lawyer and I'm not I'm a, I'm a bit educated to understand that lawyers can actually help you. But one of my concerns about lawyers or even anybody in, you know, police or anywhere or legal system, criminal system is the trust, the public trust. Um mm -hmm. and you talked about rebranding the legal system, which you know I think is fantastic. And I'm I'm hopeful that this is gonna go a long way. How do you ensure the trust of people that you work with? And how can you ensure the trust of those that are even listening to you? Why should we trust you guys? Yes, um, we, we promote transparency and accountability. So we too have to be accountable. Like a couple of months ago, um, yeah, months ago, in January, we did a feed and, we did feed and image kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, and, uh, when we did that, we were able to raise over 100,000 naira to feed um, some inmates. And um, after we've done that, we had to publish um, um, how we spent the money. That's so, good. so we had to let people know. So, what we've been saying lately, also during the NSAS movement, a couple of people had donated. Okay, in total some. They've donated over 200,000 naira to us, like 210,000 naira to be exact. Yeah. So, but the issue is that we have made it a personal duty that at the end of the year, every amount that we raised, we we'll have to give accounts of how we spent all this money to, and make it public to, to the people. At least donations that we raised from, from, from online people, we have to make it we have to put the accounts and be accountable to them. So, okay, this is how we spent the money. This was how much we raised, and this was how much uh, this was how and what we we, we spent the money on. So, I believe with that, we'll be able to kind of uh, um, build the confidence and the trust from the from the public. I see. I like that. I like that. I like that transparency. It's, it's even a lot more than the government has ever done or is currently doing. So that's good. And you talked about rebranding. Do you think SARS as a whole, should it be reformed or should it be scrapped? And for those wondering, SARS is a special anti-robbery squad and there have been a lot of allegations of um, police brutality of people that are allegedly innocent. And there's so much of a huge outcry by Nigerians about SARS. They're part of a police um, squad 
but they're supposed to be anti-robbery but then it's 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 gone it's kind of been more than that because there've been allegations of them just harassing and torturing innocent people so i want to pose a question to you from your legal standpoint should SARS be reformed or should it even be scrapped as a whole um like um six months ago this and SARS stuff was a hot topic on social media yeah and the igp2 came out then and said that it was going to reform SARS. So he put a lot of structure in place, changed a couple of ants and stuff like that. However, six months after, we are back to the status quo. The police, the SARS operators are still brutalizing. So the, he had the chance, chance to actually reform the police, uh, the special anti-robbery squad then, but it failed. Yeah. So, it's, it's an obvious um, answer that um, reformation is not going to work. Okay. So what we're saying is that as SARS, SARS unit as it is presently constituted should be disbanded. Let it end. You know, the people do not have confidence in them anymore. Yeah. Now, to fill the vacuum of, um, of an organization to combat violent crimes. Yeah. Create another special unit yeah. that is well trained. They have training in human rights, in rules of engagement, and better equipped, better funded. You know, probably that unit, even maybe the lowest kind of people that we posted in that unit will be ND, maybe from ND level and above. You know, so they are well trained and they are. They are, they are, they, they know, they know what they should do and what they should not do. Yeah. So, if that unit is brought up, you know, something like SWAT, you know. Yeah. And, yeah, once, once they're brought up, they can be put out there to combat, um, um, um violent crimes. And they should not even work as SAS is, is presently working. Yeah. yeah. They should only come out when the normal police officers have failed. The normal mopos has failed, you know, and they need the special weapons kind of thing. That is when, and special tactics kind of thing. That is when these people should come out. Not like they should be everywhere and instructing people. And when they come out, they should have wear body cams. Like you know, they do here, some, for accountability. Yeah. yeah, for accountability. And the, the, the issue is that those body cams must not fail, you know. The the, the 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 operative must ensure that those body cam doesn't fail. If it fails, it should have a backup somewhere that yeah. will that will start immediately because they will always use the um, uh, Nigerian system as an excuse that there is no power on the body cam, charge uh, the battery is low, yeah. yeah. and stuff like that. So you must charge it before you go out. You must charge that body cam. You must have a, a backup somewhere. Okay. So. Those are the stuff that we should they should put in place to ensure accountability of the new unit. I see. Mm-hmm. I like that. I mean, it goes to show that. I mean, I like the idea of them just rebranding, like tearing the unit down and start again. Because when in a, an average Nigerian here says, "There's no way you can even want to trust them," and that whole slogan of "Police is your friend." No, they've not been our friends for so long. But I like that. Yes. You know, you're you're letting them know that the proof of burden should be on them now. For them to let yes. us know why we should trust them, but they need to yes. make the they need to take the first step, and they need to be very intentional about it. Because as it currently stands, the average Nigerian 
we don't they, they haven't done a lot to like gain our trust you know speaking yeah. now um what will be one success story you have from Gavo so far in addition to your story like what's one big success story that you're very proud of that you'd like to share with us okay uh there've been couple okay like the supreme court um directives was a big success story that we're very proud of Congratulations, then, by the way. I'm really, really, really impressed. Really impressed. And they say we are listening Nigerian youth. How dare they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and um, also, we've had um, um, the, you know, when, uh, like a month ago, yeah. um, the National Human Rights Commission uh, put a press release out there that they're going to visit and audit all uh, detention centers around the yeah. federation. But what the people do not know is that two months or three months ago, we had actually written to the National Human Rights Commission wow. on the need for them to curb the SARS atrocities and to investigate and, um, uh, and, and, and have a public inquiry into the, the, the SARS atrocities issue. So they replied us then and promised to do something about it. So when they issued a press release out there, I was just like, wow, this, this great. That was and you. This, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but, but, you know, the old thing was a long process, kind of three months, um, kind of thing, but we, we were ga- glad that, that, um, um, the, the National Wire Commission actually came out to, to do that. So, and another thing is also that because we were able to stand up for the over 500 awaiting trial people. Yeah. That, that, that were actually, that are yet to be charged to court. The case is ongoing, but of course, we are, we know that even by the fact that we, 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 we filed an action against the government, we've been seeing response that the government is now sitting up. Yeah. Now they are trying to charge these people to court gradually. So we have been getting the, the updates from, from people that are within the, the, the prosecutory agencies. So they, they are now sitting up and so we've been able to push by, by filing that, that case on behalf of, uh, of, of the awaiting trial people. So then also we've had a, a whole lot of people released from prison since our inception. We've had, um, the story of a, um, um, um a young boy. I don't want to mention his name because yeah. of his, uh, age is, um, around uh, 15 years old. Yeah. And, uh, um, we, whom we had to intervene in this, um, 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 when he was detained in the prison. You know, ordinarily he shouldn't be in the prison, but he was detained in, um, and remanded in the prison. So we had to intervene. We were able to get him out on bail and we continued with the, with the, with the, with the case in court on his behalf. The, the, their parents were actually very poor. You know, when I went to visit them, because sometimes these people do not have phone numbers to reach them. So we had to track out down their houses, you know, from the few information the, the people are able to provide in the, in the prison, we have to kind of, we ourselves have to go to, to their, to their houses and track their family members and tell them what, we, what we would like to do for them. So when we got to the house, the father said, ah, I know my son has been there, but I don't have money. Yeah. That the only lawyer I was I was I was able to get said I should go and bring thirty thousand. That I don't have thirty thousand there. Yeah. That stuff like that. Now said um, that what is is that they've now resolved to do him and his wife was to go and take a loan of thirty thousand from um, 
They call it Bomulenantan in, 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 in Southwest. Bomulenantan is, a, they, they, are, they have stringent conditions. You know, those loans that have very stringent conditions and stuff like that. So you have to go and borrow that money. Oh, so the ones that why, they come with like high interest rate and loan sharks. Yeah, and all those, high interest. Uh, and, and, yeah, yeah, all those, yeah. all those kind of loans. So yeah. you have to borrow the 30,000 and he paid the other lawyer. We told him that we are ready to help him and provide support, but he said they had already engaged that lawyer. Mm. So, in the course of the whole thing, the lawyer was asking for more. Whoa. <laughs> for, for the 30,000. And, and he you said, were willing we to do it for free? And we were willing to do it for free. And he said that I, I don't have any other thing, no, oh. but the lawyer was not coming around. So, we had just had to take the case from, from, from that point. We had to get him out in prison. I had to follow them to prison to ensure that the boy was released that day, he and his elder brother and, and things like that. So we were able to get uh, the, the, the young boy out uh, a, a month after. We got the notice. He has already spent a month in prison, yeah. but when he got the notice, we were able to release him, get him out after like uh, five days. That's so, good. That's really good. So that is just one of the, the Stories that we, we've been able. There is also a, a story of um, um, three young men yeah. that were they they they, they work in gathering, they gather metals around. So they now went to a public institution, um, a public place that's been abandoned. It's a public uh, hospital, but it has been abandoned. Yeah. The, the people are not using it. So they went there with they were scavenging for. Maybe um, um, metals, metals to go and resell. Yeah. However, the issue is that they never knew that. Okay, it's a public institution. They just felt that okay, these 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 things are just lying waste around. Let's just pick them and go and. But they were they were arrested by the people in the neighborhood, and those people say that people have been coming to that place to steal. So they they, are, they were arrested and, and charged to court. So we had to kind of represent them and kind of tell them, okay, this thing, even though there's no one using it, is a public stuff um, yeah. and property, and you don't have rights and take that. So they had already, yeah. So they already spent like three months in 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 in, really? in, in, in prison. In, in developed countries, so, probably giving slap the yeah. fine on them, you know, let them pay something or do community work, but not going to prison for that long. <laughs> No, they had already spent like three months in prison. So wow. we had to intervene, get them out. So that was able, well, we were, they were young boys, you know, barely. One was 18 on the adults, one was 19, and the eldest among them was 20. So we were able to educate them and we ensured that they were handed over to their parents. Oh, so God. that they actually supervised them. You no, know, when they were working, doing all those works, they were living together on their own. So we now ensure that their whole living together was stopped and each um, child is taken to his parents and he has a supervisory stuff over him now. So they can stop all those uh, um, um, on, on unnecessary um, scavenging activities. So that's one story. Then we have a couple of <laughs> the whole a whole lot of stories that we had. We had yeah. we, we had um, a young guy that also he was in his house and people were shouting thieves thieves. So I think the, yeah people were shouting thieves. So the thieves passed through their building and started running. 
So when the people, the mob, were co- oh, um, no. came around, they just, they just said that he was the one in the dark, in the in the night, and is he, he, the one. So when the case even came to trial, there was nobody, there was no witnesses coming to say I, they actually saw him. So you know, all these things we had to intervene, and and we, we were able to get him out. There was also the story of a young man that was said to have um, stolen um, 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 bottles of drinks. You know, bottles of drinks, small, you know, things that could barely cost, you know, just ridiculous amounts. And uh, he had spent, what, did he, didn't he spend close to five months in prison? For bottles for, of for, drinks. Yeah, for bottles of drinks. And uh, we were able to um, also provide legal support for and um, get him out. There's also other stories, you know, a story of another young guy is, is an ND graduate. Yeah. He, he works. He works with the bar. So he, whenever he, whenever he's done with his own shift, he takes the money home. Yeah. So, so to be presented to the boss. So when the boss comes in the money, he gives the money to the boss. So after the night shift, the night the night shift ended like very early, like five a.m. Yeah. So he rushed home to to um to freshen up and get change of clothes and things like that. Yeah. So on, on his way home, the, his phone was stolen and the, the money he made that day, the money was around 30 something thousand there. So it was stolen. He went back to the garage, tried to look for the money. He couldn't get it. So, but when he got to the office, he told the boss, the boss first had to beat him up, said, um, Kenneth out in the car. But after that, the, the boss, the boss said, okay. Okay, maybe this is what we'll do. We'll start uh, re- removing the money from your um, salary. But just the, the day after, the boss had to call police on him and he was put in prison. So he was in prison for a very long time. Wow. And for how much? He was like 30-something thousand. And he's an, H- an ND graduate. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we intervened. The, the funny thing, the, the first challenge we were having with the case was that um, it happened in a battle. And the bill uh, condition that was given to him was that this shorty must reside in a battle. Yeah. And, and his family member stays in Oyo Town. Oyo Town is the next town to Ibadan. Mm-hmm. So they could not stay, stand shorty for him. So we're having a lot of issues as who is going to stand shorty for him, and mm-hmm. they were not having people around. So when the when the chief judge went to prison, I had to engage the chief judge on the need to grant him bail. So I had to I had to put myself on hold. Say wow. even if he's going to, I'm going to I'm going to pay twenty thousand in his place, even yeah. if he's going to going to run away and um, things like that. So the, the chief judge had to grant him bill at that moment and I had to pay the 20k. The, oh. So it was remaining like how much, um, maybe barely 18,000 era for, for for them to copy. So the, the people were not even coming anymore. Wow. You know, the people were not coming anymore. So after a while I had to, I was able to strike out the case of of, of, of the cost list. So he was eventually discharged and uh, things like that. So those are. Uh, you have a lot of stories. Know. I know if we keep talking, we're going to keep talking about all those stories. And I can actually hear the excitement in your voice. And I want to say thank you so much. Like, thank you so much 
Thank you for all you guys do. Thank you for helping people that on a normal day will probably not be able to afford this kind of legal help. And thanks for just giving yourself, even though you don't get money from them. And I do hope, I do hope that through this means on the podcast, people can be able to connect with you. And also in, in addition to connecting with you, you can also find. So for those that are curious, how can they contact you? Yeah, they can contact us using um, through our email, hello at gavel.ng. So hello That's at gavel.ng. So they can reach us through that email, or alternatively, they can reach us through citizengavel okay. at gmail.com. Citizengavel okay. at gmail.com. There is no space in between. So, or through our Twitter handle, yeah. they can reach us at citizen underscore gavel on Twitter. They can reach us at citizen underscore gavel on Twitter. So How about those that want to donate, can they also go through those mechanisms? Those that want to give you guys money? Yes, they can go through those, those mechanisms. We, we will provide our account number once they reach out to us through those mechanisms. Yes. Thank you. A final close-up question is this. If you didn't study law, what else would you have studied? Uh, probably I'm only a tech geek. You know? um, all right. I can see that. <laughs> You're marrying your love for legal, legalese and then tech with your gavel engine. Had to just do the tech for justice kind of thing. So more of gavel is a tech for justice kind of thing so yeah. that's it mm. and, I, and you didn't mention this but another thing i i kind of picked from your talk even though the first platform you created in 20 when you were in law school then didn't work i'm assuming that yeah. all the things you learned from that failure was what fed into your success of gavel so yeah. i think for for yeah. entrepreneurs coming up you probably need to listen to this part even if your first project fails Learn from it and then build a better platform. Yeah, even even the first stage of Gavel was not reaching this target audience as as much. We had to iterate quickly and kind to adapt, and that was what I didn't learn from the first startup. Wow. You know, we were unable to quickly get the customer and client feedback and kind of adapt to better serve them. So, but what we did with Gavel was when we noticed that the the the, the feedback were coming in. We had to just quickly um, change strategy and to to better serve the public. And now it's it's more or less on, on autopilot. You know, Gabriel like is that. now kind of. I like that when your business itself. runs by itself. Like that's the goal yeah. of an entrepreneur. So for those that are listening, yeah. if you're a startup person, don't give up. Like he said, learn to adapt. You might have the big ideas, but if you don't understand the population you're serving, and Nigerian consumers are kind of very different. No consumers are the same. So you have to learn about what they need. Your idea might be fantastic, but if you don't adapt and grow and find ways to modify your platform, you might end up just losing. So thanks for that. I'm also learning that through my own show, how to listen to the news of people and constantly keep changing. Because what you want is for your for your idea or your your business or whatever it is to have a life form of its own, to be able to run by itself. No, yeah. you're just always putting that all yeah. the time. There's an inception phase, yeah, you put all of the work and effort, but there has to be a sustenance phase where you're not struggling all the time. And if you're not getting that, then something's going on. Go back again to the drawing board and see what you can change. So I learned that again from you. Well, um, thank you, Mr. Malani. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's just a funny thing. Let me just quickly add sure. that. You know, when we first started, we had to, I, I, I would kind of monitor my laptop for just a single retweet you know, on Twitter so that you can catch it. When I have five retweets, I'm kind of glad. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? But now it's more or less like I just put out a message there oh, or there put out a, a, a information there. And when you come back, you just see like 100 retweets. You see like 
a thousand retweets and be like, wow. like seriously? Wow. You know? Wow. Wow. Uh, I'm laughing so because because I I'm doing that on my show. Like when I first started, I, I don't have a thousand retreats yet. Retreats yet, by the way. I also like two likes on Instagram. I'm excited. I also like two dollars. Like yay, two downloads. <laughs> and I get excited. And my website, I can track the countries where people download stuff. So I see someone from Sudan. I know the person from Sudan downloading my podcast. Like yay, thank you. <laughs> Uh, when you said that, it just reminded me of the state. I'm currently in that state of, you know, five retreats. Yay! <laughs> yeah, so don't worry. You're going to get there. You're going to get Just keep putting that seeds. Keep getting um, feedbacks and yeah. keep improving. Then, yeah. then you're definitely going to get there. That's, Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I mean, I'm looking ahead and seeing you guys doing it. And, you know, system <laughs> has broken out as ours. And you guys putting all of your time, that really gives me a lot of hope as Nigerians. And I'm going to send this out to everybody. If you're listening to this podcast and you'd like to help, you know, reform something, it's time for us to get more active. Whether you are abroad or whether you're in Nigeria, Citizens Gavel is one of the ways to do it. And I'm going to provide the link to all of how you can contact them. They have a lot of videos of people that they've helped. Yaba's story was one that connected me with them. And I would like for you, I would like to challenge you guys listening. You know, donate your time, donate your money. If you're a lawyer, volunteer. If you're not a lawyer, go online and follow cases. You know, ask questions. Visit your local police station. Ask questions. And if everybody, if all of us like do what we're supposed to do, maybe through our money or through our time, and the, the country as a whole is going to be a lot better. So today I've had the pleasure of interviewing Mr. Justin Olanikwekun, and we talked about his platform, the Gavel that has been helping Nigerians that don't have access to legal aid through tech. And we talked about the challenges of starting up and all the success stories they've had, the recent Supreme Court of Nigeria, how they were able to like, pass a law to help monitor how magistrates are visiting police stations. And one thing that I remember that he said was this, you cannot change what you cannot measure. You cannot change what you cannot yeah. measure. I like that. I'm going to use that as a, as a I'm going to tweet that and tag you on that on Twitter. So, um, guys, yeah. Nigeria is going to be great, but we have to do our part. We have to be very active citizens. We have to volunteer as well and donate our time and money if you can. All right, that was the show. Thank you so much, Mr. Nelson. Really appreciate your time. Well, have a good day. Yeah, I wish you said. Thank yeah. you. Bye. Yeah, bye.